0: If you go to miamighostchronicles.com you can find links to the shows mp3 files which you can download or links to your favorite platform like itunes spreaker soundcloud and all other major sources you can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at marlenepardo.com you can also purchase books and merchandise there and you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my true believer stories that I've collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStorytime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Doing good? Yes, I'm very happy. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm very happy because, number one, it's an update on my micro-farming adventures like in South Florida. It's hot, humid, but luckily a lot of rain. And as you know, I've got 100 plus some saplings out there that not only are they getting a lot of rainwater, which, by the way, I have found is absolutely the best thing to grow things in. That's number one. Number two it saves me from a lot of water work (laughs) okay because otherwise which i did during the winter i did making sure that these things are watered so yeah a lot of labor intensive stuff that i'm being spared because of the you know our uh our rainy season here in south florida and also i want to say uh, i'm also real happy i just found out yesterday that my youngest son uh him and his wife announced they're gonna have a baby boy it's my third grandchild uh, now, do sometime you know that that in between Christmas to New Year's kind of deal, so maybe we're gonna, gonna have, the family's gonna have a, a great Christmas present or maybe one of these you know new babies yeah. of 2020 who knows, <laughs> you know. So yesterday we were throwing all these crazy names at my son, and I you know I gave him a, a regular name like Andrew you know, but I was telling him you know everybody said all oh, this and that you know, and, and I said he's looking at me like mom and I was like okay I just just I bet you nobody will have a name like that he's like okay mom (laughs) but anyway guys let's get to the important part here which is who my guest is tonight I have a gentleman with us today his name is Ed Roman now Ed is an award-winning singer-songwriter he's a performer and a multi instrumentalist from Ontario Canada now he blurs the line between pop rock folk and country music genres He is uniquely crafted, Uh, his songs, and they have received regular rotation on more than 100 terrestrial radio stations across North America and more than 600 stations worldwide. He's won numerous awards, and he's a December 2018 Billboard magazine emerging artist. Um, His animated music video for the title track from his latest album, Red Omen, has been shown at numerous film festivals around the globe. He is a gentleman farmer, a man after my own heart, Uh, gardener and paranormal enthusiast, which of course we're gonna talk to him lots about that he's had several paranormal encounters throughout his life and served as a catalyst for his music which of course we're absolutely gonna ask him about that so let's welcome him how are you doing today Ed
1: Marlene it's great to be here on on Miami Ghost Chronicles (laughs) yes
0: I am thrilled and we were talking previously and then we'll get into it later guys but you know what I always ask all my guests is um, obviously he's a musician, but he's got an interest in the paranormal. Ed, what happened with you? Did Was it an experience as a kid or as an adult? What happened?
1: Oh, I grew up too close to the hydro wires.
0: Hey, <laughs> uh, anything is possible. EMF, you know.
1: I got I, I to gotta start with something crazy, right? Yeah, man, let me tell uh, you something. Why not, right? Um, I, it was yeah, my grandparents. I mean... The first stories that I remember hearing when I was a kid, you know, it was dinner table talk, mm-hmm. and my grandmother would talk about her brother, okay. and his. And I'm going to say his name because it's what you're talking about—names, naming child, children. And you said four, naming uh-huh. child four. It rem- reminds me of the Costanza thing from Seinfeld. Seven, seven, <laughs> seven naming child seven, right? Well, his name was Ergy. Really, That's And an and, and whenever I used to hear that name, even as, as a young boy, I always used to think, wow, what a crazy kind of sounding name. But he was born with his hair and his teeth and at a very young age, at like six months, was already speaking and really, really advanced. Yeah. And really advanced and progressed as a, as a child to at an alarming rate, okay. so much so that he would spend time with adults, talking with adults all the time and philosophizing and stuff. And he had this macabre. Uh, uh, sort of premonition that he was going to die at the age of 11 and at about the age of 10 he would start practicing his funeral
0: oh my god and he would
1: he he would say here's what's going to happen i'm going to go lie underneath the apple tree i'm just going to lie down and i'm going to die and my grandmother was like you know people in the village were telling him that he was like a savant or he was like a gifted child and that maybe he was maybe from the devil or who knows what it may have been Uh right but point being was on the day that he said he was going to die at the age of 11, he did this. And he even had kids come and help him do the whole funeral. And it was really like this. So, like, what is what is what is going on here at, at the age of like, you know, five or six hearing this kind of a story going, uh-huh. what is this possible? What, what how, how can this be possible? What what is it that makes this situation special and different? And as a result, it really kind of opened me up as a young person to the potential that a a number of different kinds of things in the paranormal world, whether it be Bigfoot, because I grew up in the 1970s when that whole Patterson-Gimlin film thing Uh re-exploded. And and actually M.K. Davis, he's a good friend of mine who's done a lot of really incredible research on that film. Um, And at the same time, uh, you know the u the ufology community was really burgeoning. We had Project Blue Book. There was, I remember news clips when I was a kid about things landing like in local farm fields and things like that. And with that said, the allegory in my family in 1968. The story goes that my mom was preparing dinner in November. And she started to hear the pipes rattle in the basement of our house. Okay. And had gone and had gone to the basement to figure out if something was wrong with our sump pump. And
0: uh-huh. this is another one
1: of those those stories, as I say. Right. She comes to the top of the stairs into the kitchen, and there's a huge bay window, and she thinks a small aircraft is about to crash into our farmhouse. But it's becomes stable, and it's hovering between our barn and our, and our and our and our house. Okay. And my grandparents, my brothers, sisters. Um, All watched this strange light anomaly that was like an orb that was so hard to look at that you, you had to kind of keep looking away, didn't cast any shadows, hovered over our barn and then followed the topography of the landscape heading to the southeast and then was reported by the David Dunlop Observatory in Buttonville Airport of them tracking these unidentified flying objects. In the night sky, again, another story in my life. Let me ask you something real me, quick.
0: What happened with your yeah, uncle?
1: Uh, what my great uncle? You mean my, my grandmother's yes, brother? Yes. He he died. He died at the age of eleven. Oh, he exactly did. Like he said. I, he was, I, I,
0: oh, I, yes, he did. Oh, I thought. Okay, I thought that when you said that, I thought that he had like made like the prediction, but that okay, and he had play acted no, the the. He had played. But but he acted. Oh my God, he did then die.
1: Oh yes so those those two stories alone you wow. know the the UFO thing and, and this child that's born that could speak and had hair and teeth and all, all of that made me like start questioning a lot of stuff, sure yeah like, and 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 looking more into the, the potential of what that could be sure so uh, yeah, th- that's, that's where my, my I'm peaked right uh-huh you know um and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to kind of talk about when you lose somebody that's really close to you because they are close to you. Yes. And that means that, that you love them of and that you, you, you care about them and, yes. and and they love and care about you. And with that said, this story, I guess, kind of goes into uh, it happened many years ago now, but I lost a good friend because okay. of a traumatic set of circumstances and an allergy related anaphylactic shock. Whoa. And he left a little baby boy, four and a half months old, a lovely wife, Mm -hmm. and it really traumatized our whole community uh, and our group of friends and everything that was, you know, just sort of living life to its fullest. And Mm then the the night of the wake, I decide to go down to the street. There's only about 25 of us left at this little pub that's in our local town. Mm -hmm. And uh, these three young boys are walking by, and they're talking to each other, and they're talking about how could we break into a junkyard and steal a door that would match the door on their parents' car that they've just wrecked because Um... they're out of town, okay? (laughs) And I'm sitting there going... Okay, and I stopped them because I did this exact thing. Oh really? I wrote this a. Oh yeah, I was a bad boy. He's like man, we, right? need quick, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we
0: need to come up with something quick, man.
1: Yeah, we need we need come up with something quick, right? And it, yeah. like literally driving home with the car door on a bicycle, you know, <laughs> two miles down the road in the middle of the night, so nobody could see us. And and I said, look, I I, I have to stop you because I can't believe. First of all, I'm not a cop. Uh-huh. I said. I, I can't believe that you're, you you guys are telling the story right now because I did this exact thing with three of my other friends. And I said, and one of them was involved, had just passed away and we're having the wake inside. I said, please, will you come inside? Because I need you to bring validity to this situation. They won't believe me if I go in there now and tell them right. that this just what happened. One of the odds, school. right? Right, so yes, okay, they'll come in Okay, so they come in, it's kind of cold Take off our jackets, people are blah blah, 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 blah blah. I say, hey everybody I said, I gotta tell you something I was just down on the street And I said, these three kids were walking down And they were talking about how they were gonna break into a junkyard Steal the car, door And I'm looking around the room, and people are turning white And I'm like, what's wrong? And one of my friends stands up and says Ed, we were just telling that story
0: <gasps> Are you kidding? What are the big... Yeah that's incredible, Ed. That is, I no wonder. Everybody must have been like, what? Okay.
1: Freaking out. Yes. And a couple people started crying. Yes. And I started crying. And I think to myself, and then I tell that story to people and they think, well, it's, I hate the word coincidence because I don't believe in coincidence. Sometimes things are coincidental yes. just because this is right. Okay, hey, we bought the same pop. Right, whatever it might be. But, uh, but other things that are like in the quadrillions to one, as far as The chance that these is,
0: kids are walking down the street and they're retelling an adventure like what you guys actually they, did. That right they, there. Just
1: the, 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 that exact story. They weren't talking about uh, getting the dog out of a dog pound because they weren't watching it. They weren't talking about how they were gonna, right. you know, fix something that they burnt in the house. It was this crazy circumstance that the chances of that were staggering. And and I and I think to myself, so this is confirmation for me. And, and knowing that, look, it, it, it's weird how when you look back, it's, it's not so much in the moment. The moment that those things are happening is what's staggering and what makes you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And right. you almost can't hold it together. Later, as you look back in those moments, you start... Analyzing it differently you still go through the checks and balances of what are the chances are? What did that really happen? And I can't believe all of those things that sort of add up to that same place that you're still thinking about it And then you go well, of course he would have done something like that, right? Of course he would have wanted uh, uh, if, if there was a chance to manipulate the ether in one of the most magical ways for affirmation for the people that he loved and cared about the most.
0: (laughs) Right. Like a happy, like memory of crazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. How more apropos. Yes,
1: exactly. How how more apropos. And that's where the validity kicks in for me. And I go, I can't discount the experience.
0: No, absolutely not. No, I can see that no matter how you try to, it's like, no, I mean, you could even, I would say that even, without the kids coming down the street, you could say, well, maybe coincidental. I was thinking about that, and inside they were talking about that same incident. That would be, mm-hmm. But the fact that those kids, which had no connection to anybody there, your friend, nobody, and they're, just, they're basically talking about something real time that dovetails with what you guys did. <laughs> how many years before? <laughs> Lots of years before? That there's no way that they... Yeah. Come on, that's astronomical. The odds—it's like impossible.
1: Uh, somebody once, a good skeptical friend of mine, once said to me, "Are you sure you weren't set up?" I'm like, yeah, "How? I, yeah, exactly. How the hell? Like, wouldn't that be a mean, twisted no, trick? No,
0: no. To, no, to,
1: to no. play No, it's like uh, that's weird. That's just no. it's just demented, no, right?
0: No, that that that's uh, so. That let me tell you something. And, no, and I hate to say it on such a sad occasion. It kind of changes the atmosphere in a, in a way because it almost feels like he was trying to tell you guys, hey, it's okay. Remember when we had this great time together,
1: you know. Right, and living life in a crazy way. And yes. it, was, it was that, you know, and, and, and now it eased the pain in that way. And that's where psychologists would kick in and go, well, it's anthropomorphizing and doing this, that, and the other thing too. You know, like if a woman thinks she's pregnant, she starts looking at light bulbs and pears and things and uh, <laughs> more com- more commercials for something that's related to pregnancy or something. And, right. and, and then, the, 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 but it's, how can you rationalize that out of the park no. with those kinds of circumstances? It's And, and again, that's where I'm like, okay, bing, bing, bing. When it becomes physical, yes. when it becomes something where actually... Physically, something has occurred in a way where, uh, well, here's an, an, an example. I was the Bear at my uncle's funeral, and my uncle and I were very close, and he lost his legs and his fingers and eyesight to diabetes, and mm-hmm. he w- we, we used to do a lot of fishing together, and he gave me one a couple flies that many years ago, but one in particular I used to keep in my fly vest. Okay. I still have it today. And, um, it was in the garage when I went to the funeral in my vest,
0: okay.
1: I came home, I came home and a, a terrible storm, you know, something out of a book. And I had to play a gig in Toronto that night. Okay. And as I opened the door to my room, there's a little step that went down and sitting in the middle of the floor when I turned the light on, is that fly. Wow. The fly. How does how does something physical leave a place yeah. that's been compartmentalized for a yes. long period of time, and I haven't used? It's totemistic to me. Right. How does how does it end up sitting in the center of the floor for and for the very first thing that I see when I turn right? On and my you life, is, is that you couldn't overlook it.
0: You couldn't overlook it. You had to see it.
1: There was no way to do it. And then at the wake, when I was coming home prior to that. We were all standing around in the kitchen. Again, this is what's interesting about that, that, that group of tight-knit friends, family, after that traumatic moment. It's almost like it's the psychokinetic catalyst for the door to be open for those kinds of things to vibrantly occur if yes. you pay attention to them. Others may discount them. Um, and, but the doorbell at the house kept ringing over and over again. We'd go really? to the door, and, and there'd be nobody there. And because, you know, my uncle, he was a bit of a trickster himself. Okay. Uh, all, all over and over again for five minutes, we're going, checking the windows, looking to see what's going on. I went with my cousin's bro- boyfriend at the time, now husband, to the basement and shut off the breaker for the bell. And it kept ringing. A what? Yeah, there was no electricity running to the bell and it kept going off. You know and what? Immediately, a bunch of people at the house went, it's less, it's less, it's less. So, though, again, people would say, wow, there's some electrical disturbance and da-da-da-da. Well, there, there's no power to the bell, so why should it be working? Exactly. You know, How and, do you explain that? And, 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 yeah, and, and again, that evening with the fly and all that occurring, um, it, it it just, again, brings that validity, like I said before, to to those experiences. And, 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 and it justifies for me and my my existence. How I interact not only with my living world, mm-hmm. but the other world that I'm told by right. high science exists. Right. Because I think uh, we were asking before, and we were talking off air about the connection to that in music. Mm-hmm. That there are, are parallels to the to what I call the discovery of the divine, mm-hmm. in, in in whether it be melody, mm-hmm. or it might be lyrical ideas. Right, and and nor by saying that in an egotistical way do I feel like I'm godlike or divine. No, all, I, all I feel like is that it, it, it's a, I'm a conduit or, or some kind of a channel, like a medium, would be if you had gone to see them and said, I've lost a loved one, I'm trying to reconnect, that's what the language of music is to me. It's somehow grabbing hold of the emotional content of our existence today, right. now. And trying to reflect it in some kind of a way to say, well, yeah, look, this, this is the experience. And I've had some Mm -hmm. moments in writing where I'll go and I'll look back at page after page after page and I'll go, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like stream of consciousness and ideas and, and and so much so that they've hit me so hard. I'm going to go, well, hey, look, I had a recording session and set up where I was going to plan on doing this, but no tonight after the way this came up and I'm even getting goosebumps thinking about it now I need to record this right I don't care what I what I had planned before and again it's like following that map mm-hmm. allowing it to pull you through that that experience consequently that song ended up being one of my biggest radio airplay songs isn't
0: that incredible I'm gonna tell you something yeah. I, and, I, and I'm gonna, and this is and we talked about it you know how certain people I mean we uh, we have capacities of all kind of doing similar things. But you said the passion. I started playing piano when I was eight years old, all the way till I was 16. And teenage, the teenage thing got in the way, you know? And of course, as you know, more practice, in other words. But it was, yeah, I did it and I liked it, but it was more my mom, like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't have what you're talking about. You know, it... it, it, to me, you know, as I was progressing, that it, it demanded more practice, more time spent in the music. I was like, oh my God. And, you know, I couldn't grow my fingernails, you know, because my teacher, she'd be like, no, you can't cut, cut those fingernails. And I was like, oh, you know, to a teenage girl. But do you see what the difference is? It was like, I, I liked it, but there was no passion
1: in it for me. Okay. Well, well and you know what hearing you talk about your plants and the trees that you're growing and the things that's the same kind of passion right it's just been channeled in a different way and that's still beautiful well no let me tell you something my
0: passion has always been writing i mean i like i have you know you know you have hobbies and passions but for me it's writing and i've been doing that ever since god i learned you know once i learned how to read when i was like seven like an actual reading I, I would bug my mom to take me to the library every week and take out the 10 books that they would allow me. You know, nobody ever had to like, you know, Marlene, to me, that's why that's I'm saying I understand. But as far as the music part, you know, yeah, people learn how to play instruments. And it wasn't even for lack of, of practice because I did practice. And I went through it eight years. But it's not like what you just described about your creation process.
1: You know what it was? In, in, uh, it was? It was being on the farm and maybe in a way here let me explain to myself as a somebody that struggled greatly with disability of dyslexia which now i see is actually a gift Mm -hmm. um it really allows that that problem which they say i have allows for 3d spatial comprehension or the ability to change perception okay and and that means my imagination is extremely vivid And the things that I I remember that are so impregnating in in me are the passionate moments that I remember sharing with family and friends. Mm -hmm. So with growing food, people would be like, well, I don't know how to grow food. Um, It's hard work. I hate pulling weeds. All the different things that go on with the drudgery of Mm -hmm. the work aspect of it. But all of that is outweighed. Yes. By those moments of victory and your tactical relationship to I have created abundance with my hands yes. and my and my strength and my ability and my patience and my conscience. Yes. And inside of that, I remember like my dad, you know, holding up gourds and things that he had grown mm-hmm. uh, like it was like a cherub. And this corona-like yes. discharge coming off of him because of his <laughs> of his pride yes. of doing what of what he did. Yes, and, yes, yes. And I and totally I, and I get saw it. that in my mom. I saw that in my brothers and sisters, especially my brother, um, and my grandparents, and my, some of my uncles and my grandfather. It was they always said to me, "I don't care what it is that you do, yes. just along the as." You're passionate about it. Yes. You could be a shoe salesperson. You could be an astrophysicist. I don't care what it is.
0: And Just let me tell you something. When it. you are there, don't get me wrong. And a lot of people confuse this. You know, you do not have to be a. Ch- yeah. There's days that you're like, oh my god, wow. You know, and and like what you said. And I'm gonna say the farming. I also raise chickens. I'm, I call myself a chickenista. Okay.
1: Hi.
0: <laughs> Nobody, (laughs) nobody has to tell me to get up at six in the morning. And everybody, my audience already knows in a little while the sun's going down, you're going to hear all my roosters crow because everybody, you know, and then I have my young ones that crow at the oddest moment because they don't know any better. But anyway, and you know, to me it's like no hardship to go out there and to search them down and to do this. And every once in a while I find myself talking to the chickens and I'm like, okay, they're all right, whatever. As long as they don't answer back, you know, uh, but there's, in other words, but nobody ever has to tell me, hey, go take care of your chickens, man. They're going to starve. Or, hey, are you... Ch-? No, you go out there and you're like... And when they hatch chicks, it's like... Like, I, I hate to say it, I'm sound like such a dweeb. Oh, they're so cute. They're so beautiful. Oh, my God. You know, like... And it's like you know, the, I love it. It's like no it's pride, that, like when you actually that's yeah. passionate
1: pride <laughs> I and mean, there's nothing dweeby about it. It's beautiful. Yeah. You can't buy that. You no, can't No, exactly. That that that's that's the living experience of and, and the tactical, like I said, yes. relationship with your living environment. Yes. It's so important.
0: Yes, yes. And it's and it's and, one and, of and, those things that like you said it's the passion nobody to, you know to somebody else that maybe has to do it for a living or because hey they got to it's like okay i gotta do this because i have to because i you know whatever uh either i'm gonna sell this don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with selling you know that th- that's not a bad aspect to it but they kind of no. do it because god they got to or otherwise the consequences of it are more work you know
1: right right
0: and i understand the practical aspects of things too don't get me wrong But for me, it's like, and what you said, it's not like, nah, nah, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, I'm not under threat of, oh, my God, this is going to unravel if I don't take care of it or my animals or the plants, you know, or the trees or whatever,
1: you know. Well, Um, and that also that sense of heritage through that act. Yes uh like with, with a family like up here and where i live in farming community in ontario um some of the family farms have been running here for like 120 years
0: yeah but see that and, that's, and i can imagine if sometimes i'm like and i have like i say a micro farm i can imagine sometimes and, and i tell everybody you know you think of or you you hear about farmers obviously you know farming and farming farmers but not till you try to do it on a very small plot of land Do you kind of start getting the idea of what's involved in actual farming, by the way?
1: Bingo. I used to work. And that's actually a really healthy community-related aspect. Let me tell you something. I used to look at
0: the weather report to see if it was raining so it made sure I could go to the beach. Now I wake up, (laughs) the first thing I look at is what's what's the weather? What's the precipitation
1: percentage? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well that's yeah because do i have to water tonight right that's or don't thinking. or
0: don't or it's like man it's or great right, right, i right. got water com- no let me tell you something it always the the I, when you're farming unless you know you're, you're flooding then that's different but over the, the bad part is when you don't have enough water coming in you know that like you got some yeah, water yeah somehow. absolutely that's that's where you're in big trouble uh but yeah you and and, and it's so funny because before i did any of this ed i would have been like okay i understand the concept of farming okay but <laughs> now now I get it. I really do get it.
1: Well, that and that's the thing I was saying. And when it becomes something that you personally take yes. on, because, it, and this is where I'm a big proponent of of uh, agriculture being a part of education, especially yes. earthy education, because when you get kids involved, yes, and I've seen how excited kids can be about the the prospect mm-hmm. of creating something that's yep. going to sustain them and maybe even make a little money yeah, on
0: yeah. the
1: side of the vegetable stand or yes. selling jam or jelly or chutney yes. or some relish yes. or something like that. Yes, That all changes. And again, just like you said, it reevaluates what it really takes yes. in order to Make food happen. It's yes. not just these show up at the grocery store to the trough, and I'm just yes. buying, and I'm yes. not thinking about the consequences of yes. where things are coming from, how they're where, how who, mm-hmm. all of those things yes. that are so important to know. Yeah. And uh, I, like I was going to say before, with a bigger farm. And you have 200 acres, that's where the harder side of it oh, yeah. the, pra- the, the practical tactical of making it work to yes. be a viable commodity, to be sustainable. Yes. Then all the trials and tribulations that go on with the 21st century as uh-huh. far as farming is concerned, what it costs to actually run a farm. Yes. People then a- end up saying, well, why do it? Because I think it's a moral obligation. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: in, in order to be able to provide good quality food to co- your community. Absolutely. People, right? people
0: don't understand that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and like, um, I, well, I also have bees. I have a bee sanctuary here. I have a very small apiary. Wow. And I'm, I have here wow. an, an another son of mine, my philosopher. He, he has a smaller apiary at another property. So he's, you know, so I'm. that's another thing that you understand firsthand, you know, as far as the, you know, the ecosystems and all that stuff. What you were talking about as far as when it's not a manufactured, on-demand kind of process, when it's like you're relying on your efforts and whatever the land is, you know, like that, that you give and it gives you back and then you, you know, you lend a hand like watering it and you know, all stuff like that.
1: So, hey, you're talking about apiaries and bees and that re- yes. realization too of the importance of cross pollination. Otherwise, no yes. fruits. No fruits, no fruits. Uh, I yes. remember one year with the, the decline of the bee population that was happening in Ontario. And in some ways, it may be on a little bit of an incline, but I was actually going out with a feather. Mm-hmm. and going from blossom to blossom acting right. like a bee to to artificially cross-pollinate my like, squash and a bunch of different things that were like the I bigger haven't heard of that, But let me
0: tell you something. I got I have been really lucky even though we had a couple of times where cuz out here in South Florida, you know, we have a big problem with mosquitoes and they fumigate. They're not supposed to fumigate uh during the daytime when the bees are out. They're supposed to do it only at night. But we had a big kill off of bees and and I know they took samples and they took them over to like the state capital because they wanted to find out because they suspected somebody had been fumigating for mosquitoes during the daytime, which is like, uh but yeah, it, it, people don't understand how important. All my neighbors, all my farming neighbors, are, I'm a, I live in a rural area. I've, I've got a lot of people out here growing stuff. They're, they're nice. you know, basically they're getting the, the benefits of an apiary without paying for the apiary. I don't care. Ooh, but my what bees... Part is
1: so- what part of
0: south florida are you in i'm in deep southwest dade almost by the entrance to the keys this has historically been an agricultural area you know the east coast on the beach is the beach you know right. that's where all the hotels and all that stuff was going on but if you went out further west into dade county from the turn of the century the 1910s the 1920s this mm-hmm. is where they grew a lot of the stuff especially when the rest of uh, you know when they start doing the orange stuff and the oranges or other parts of the country you know they were snowed under well they could still right. grow stuff here which is what they do like you know a lot of uh tomatoes even though the orange industry got kind of decimated here in florida because of disease not starting to make a comeback but yeah the out here historically has been an area where they did a lot of uh of growing of foods tomatoes pole beans uh corn as a matter of fact, not yeah. far from here, I've got this one railroad track that ran all the way through the state, which is how, you know, back then you would load your stuff up on the, you know, they have a would have like a little depot, you know, and transport, is, transport, get the stuff out. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, this wow, is wow. so. I mean, it went off the paranormal. but yes, but and you know what, I understand what you're saying as far as in your own family. Uh, let me ask you something. How long has your family been then on that piece of land for a long time then? Or Well, well,
1: we were from 1935 up until 2006.
0: Okay, that's a and long it, time. And
1: it, it was a long, long time. And we had six barns. We had 1,500 cattle. My mom and dad were <sighs> bringing blonde d'Aquitaine, which was the first time that cow had ever come into Canada back in the 1970s. We had an embryo transplant center where my mom and dad were doing embryo transplants really? for recipient yeah. animals. My dad was the mayor of Markham for thirty years. He's also chairman of York Region. He was the police commissioner. And he was the first federal coalition MP ever in the history of Canadian federal politics. Did
0: they get a chance to sleep? I mean,
1: that's no, I no, my my, my <laughs> dad my dad died a, young, a my dad died a young man. He died really? at the age of fifty five of a brain tumor that that's he actually shame. should have died from. At the age of four or five it's called a cardoma and the fact that he even lived with it all of his life was unbelievable really that's very yeah it it has this weird connectiveness in my thinking to the chance factor of existence okay because my dad was one of the most healthiest skeptics that you could ever meet as a result of him just being pragmatic and being Mm -hmm. you know public publicly minded so um, that's, that's sort of where that part of me kicks in right. and, and starts to evaluate things and, and, and those kinds of things, when they were hard to discount with my dad, scared right. the hell out of him.
0: Right. Because if and, he's... And, yeah, exactly.
1: It shatters the paradigm like you were talking about again. Yeah. And uh, for me, when I, right. you know, it, it, hearing or seeing, I'm sorry, dad, I love you, that sense of fear that you had brought affirmation to the story right. because you couldn't skeptically or sort of pragmatically think your way through it um and and, right. and again it it, it it sort of brought that sense of confirmation to me for so many different things that happened in my own life
0: right and you know what um sometimes also and and, and you mentioned let me ask you something did your dad did he know that he had that tumor only to
1: the end of his life or did he know about it before he didn't He developed developed multiple sclerosis at a very young age and then started to to really decline at about 52. And then when they thought that the multiple sclerosis had something to do with this visual distortion and problems with his eye, they they realized that he had a, a tumor on his optical nerve. And when they did the surgery, they realized that it had a stem that connected to the center of his brain, which was hooked to his hypothalamus pituitary gland and pineal gland. So there was no way to operate on it. But what was really wild is that after the operation, because he couldn't walk because the multiple sclerosis, C or anything, he could start. He started walking again and everything seemed to be fine for like almost three weeks. And then about three days before he died, I remember he was just in a trans. Trans state of being like he knew he was going to die looking right. back now as I was so young I didn't really understand what was going on the doctors were like he's fine everything seems to be good and then he was gone so but you I, know I, what now my it...
0: point is that the I, I, you know that saying ignorance is bliss almost yeah. like despite if in other words if for some reason they would have ever identified when he was a child that he had that maybe the prognosis would have been oh no well you know any minute now so it's almost right. like he didn't know about it. It was like, and he yeah, he died young. And in young. the weirdest
1: of ways, in the weirdest of ways, what he actually accomplished as a yes, person
0: exactly. is staggering. Exactly. I
1: mean, he was he was even drafted by the the uh, Toronto Argonauts, major NFL football team, uh, CFL football team, and the Argos beca- or uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats because he was such a good football player. He wow. was an amazing running back. So he had all this crazy potential and philosophically his ideas about politics and i hate using that word because he referred to himself as a public servant Mm -hmm. are we're we're staggering i'm actually in the process of writing a documentative uh grouping of notes in a journal about him to put together a a full-on documentary about his life as a public servant not just to illustrate what he had achieved Mm -hmm. uh, in those positions but more so to outline what that philosophy really represents because today politics has become other than in a municipal sense which is really mm-hmm. where you know people are really connected to their their the political living environment yes. federally and on a state and or provincial level there's a lot of corruption and, uh, and and my dad was privy to and saw a lot of that yes um and this and this was back in the 80s it right hasn't right much, like you go into you go
0: into that Public, to do public service maybe with these high ideals and then you have a reality check moment like, huh? You know, right. realizing you might right. not, you might be the only one or maybe one of a few that is very idealistic about your intentions.
1: Right, and, and that's the out. thing. I think yeah. that through public, public lobbying groups and other sort of agendas and things like that, it really just uh, destroys the, the potential for, for those kinds of things to occur. He did more probably for York Region as an independent, never crossed the floor even though he was asked to so many times um, in those four years than probably most people did. And uh, again, uh, he I love my dad. and, and, and One of those people that, for why I do what I do today. Because if you notice, you're reading Musician Gentleman Farmer. I'm, yes. I'm, I, 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 I like the idea of diplomacy. Yes. And the ability to disagree and agree, yes, or dis- we disagree, you know, and and but come through it without it being related to character sash- assassination, oh, yes, and, he- and healthy conversation, and that's where this world can be very difficult to navigate yes. because some people immediately call it you know, critical thinking. You guys are crazy. You're just seeing right. things. What are you up to? Da 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 da. You oh, don't know what course. you're talking about.
0: Of course, so, and that's and it, that's you know sometimes I think that's very limiting, which is unfortunate. Oh, but yeah. let me tell you something though your dad sounds like wow he considering everything that you know you know when you know how some people in the short amount of time they do so much and then there's other people that have this years and years and when they look back they're like okay you played it safe all along too safe okay you know
1: too safe <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's the they, 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 they you know they yeah that's a but no you know they kind of talk themselves out of anything including right. uh you know you know the you know, doing all these things like what you described that your father did. That's
1: well, incredible. I guess it's the struggle that makes us stronger, yes. really, in essence. Otherwise, without it, we're becoming yeah, very weak right. and complacent, right? Fear, failure even
0: stops a fear lot of failure. Fear failure,
1: right? It's, it's even like trying to articulate some of these stories. Yes. It, 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 it has that same sort of connectiveness to it and thinking about it. Like, do I say something or do I just not say anything right and let it go by the wayside oh, but you know what d- yes
0: I've, I've pointed this out you know because every time that there's uh some you know whether you want to talk about ghosts or ufos or cryptids or weird stuff or i say you know what yes you know especially when there's you know you look at let's say bigfoot let's go with bigfoot okay or right. or whatever you have people and i say okay you know what yes there's the people that are lying absolutely there's a the people that are lying there's people that are they think that what they saw is that, but it might not be. But they really do believe it. They're not lying. They just they just believe it, you know. And I say and then there's of course of people that actually did see something. And I said, but for all the which means there's a good portion of these reports that are accurate. I said, but for all those people there's a slew that never say anything. Why? Right. Because they they're they're wigged out themselves. Plus they don't even wanna go through some of the stuff that they put people through, that people look at you funny or like, oh, hey, you've been drinking or hey, you know, what? What So I say those what, are just or the... What,
1: what, or what have you got to gain from this story?
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah, so mm, what, you're going to write a book about this or something like that, you know, how people are always... Under. Well,
1: and I think your point is so strong uh, because how many people out there that have had some sort of an experience, and you mentioned cryptids, Mm-hmm. The, and they can't explain or articulate the occurrence. I, I, ha, I had an experience myself, which was okay. uh, a number of years ago. And um, without being too long winded in the story, I was called. My attention was called to the field in the early evening and uh, we have a 40 acre parcel behind me that leads into a forest. My dog was with me. I was going to the garden I had heard coyotes that were going kind of crazy. And the coyotes had chased my dog a number of times back to the house. It's been kind of close call a couple of times. Put him back in the house, start walking into the field, and the field comes to a rise. Uh And then it it declines on like a 20-degree pitch for a great deal of distance. As I get to the top of the hill, I see this dark figure standing, which in my mind I'm seeing somebody wearing a balaclava, And a jumpsuit looking at the forest where the coyotes are. But the coyotes won't come out of the forest, but they're yipping and going crazy. Okay. Now, usually you don't hear that kind of activity from coyotes until late at night when they're involved in some kind of an altercation with a coyote or something else like a raccoon or, you know, they're fighting or hunting. This thing was large. I now, in retrospect, maybe say six and a half, almost seven feet tall. It crouched down. It came alarmingly fast out of this brush line after I'd lost sight of it on all fours. It was standing erect on two feet when I had saw it. My first impression was, what is a person doing wearing a balaclava and a dark jumpsuit in mm-hmm. the middle of July, July at the bottom of my field? Right. It, it lunged like this crazy, like, uh, bipedal man-rabbit. Okay. Stood up on two feet turned to its left and started walking half of this parcel, which was 25 acres about that into the bush line and disappeared. Now uh, in that process of observing what I was observing, I was more terrified than I had been with a black bear experience that I've had when I've been camping. I had a problem trying to describe to people Uh what it was that I, I had seen. I was filled with questions. I I reached out to a number of different wildlife biologists, including reputable people that walk both territories between something that may be paranormal or cryptid and actual, like, reputable biological research. They turned me on to a group of uh, researchers that came up here, documented my whole thing. I put out a little tiny video about it all, but I still don't know what What I saw. I know that it scared me enough that I wouldn't go back to the forest by myself again for at least six months. Uh-huh. I, I'm still trying to process the event because of, of how afraid it made me. And you're so serious my, even,
0: even the predators, which the coyotes are, were wigging out.
1: They're They're like, wigging out too.
0: Yeah, so you're part of you's thinking, like what you said, what's going on? Normally they don't do this in the middle of the day.
1: Right. And, and, and usually in, when I'm talking about an experience that has happened to me, because I've had a lot of interesting things that have occurred, people are like, oh, come on, Ed, you know, like, what, it's a bear. But when I talk to people that I know that are hunters, and I'm like, Bill, you know, a good friend of mine, he's been hunting for years. Bill, have you ever seen a black bear do this? No. Have you ever come across a black bear in the bush before? Yes, but they keep pretty much to themselves. Have you ever seen it walk on two legs for like a half, you know, 25 acres? No. Can can a circus bear do that? Can a circus bear walk for 25 acres on two feet after running bipedally or quadrupedally, excuse me? So then I start doing research and I go, like you said, people, do they tell these stories? Well, apparently this area all the way for another probably 150 miles north of me have had occurrences that have been happening for since the 1920s, about people reporting strange incidents of seeing things, hearing things, running into pe- like tracks, all sorts of stuff. Another incident that occurred with four people that were in a car that were driving north a couple years before my experience reported seeing a large jackrabbit-sized man running beside their car so much so that they slowed the car down because they thought that they were going to run into it. All wow. of these kinds of things start adding up, and I'm going, so what did I see? I yes. don't know what I saw, but what I saw points me to this thinking. And it, and it, and it, and it pointed me to fear for the longest time because I was worried, of I was terrified.
0: Course.
1: Of course, and this is not like,
0: you know, because there's people that go out into the woods precisely looking to have an encounter. Here you're not, yeah. you're just taking a
1: walk. And, and like, why your statement? why your statement is so profound because how many people that have actually had those kinds of experiences, yeah. that all of that is going through them cerebrally yes. who do i tell how do i tell it are they gonna believe me i was terrified i'm yeah. still trying to process it yeah
0: they
1: can't do it i'll just
0: shut up if, and not
1: talk about this <laughs> right right and and or just or or, or and to, to think that ridicule will be you know yeah. paramount so it's like okay i'm going to discount it too i don't know what i say. well
0: most of them think if i heard this from somebody else I'd be the first one going, man, you're so full of it. Ah, I don't believe right. that. You know, they kind of put that, you know, they, they, they have that back and forth, that shadow boxing with their own personality. Thinking, man, if right. I heard this from somebody else, I'd be like, oh, yeah, right, okay.
1: But but, but, see, but when you have those natural experiences where yeah. things are so magical and majestical, like, so I'm working in the garden one day, I hear all this grass moving behind me and, and humming and buzzing, you know, where I'm going with this maybe. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden I stand up I turn, I look over my shoulder, and I see uh, an entire swarm of bees coming out of the field. And okay. what are they doing? They're following a queen to a new location. Yes, they're swarming. Okay. And I, immediately I start to like lose it because I'm like, what am I seeing here? I can't believe I'm watching this kind of – I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now. And to be witness uh-huh. to this kind of beautiful event is akin To those same kind of frequency experiences that I've had in the paranormal Mm -hmm. or like when you've been on the front of a boat and and you're cresting little small waves and all of a sudden tons of dolphins come in and they start following the boat and you're having that sort of subtle interaction with them. It's that subtle energy feeling that, like I said, is akin to those paranormal experiences when they occur. Because you're 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 lucky enough to be able to witness it and to pay attention to it and conscious yes. enough of it of it to be a part of it.
0: And you know what, Ed? I think that something that you're saying is something that I myself I'm guilty of it, and it's <laughs> living the experience in the moment, in the now. You know, because unfortunately, a lot of people, myself included, we get addicted in a way to that multitasking. You're here, but you're already thinking, "Well, you know what?" uh nah. And today I got to, you know, do that. But what you're describing is that's that moment. Everything stops except the experience of that moment, which uh, is becomes more and more rare, you know, because we're, you know, we're always on the fast track of, you know, what's next and I got to do this and I got to do that in a to do list. So, yes. And and I think I think once it seems to be
1: like you said, too, in those moments.
0: Well, you know, technology, unfortunately, I think has done that to us, you know, up to a certain point. Because I tell everybody, yeah. I remember once upon a time when you had a landline, one landline in your house, and that was it. <laughs> no answering machines. Three
1: TV stations. Right, three, three TV, TV stations.
0: stations. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no, of course, no phones, uh, No, not even answering machines. You know, it was like people would send you a letter, and you'd expect- Hello, who's you there? Need, right. If you called and nobody answered, you'd call back later. You know, nowadays, right. everybody's right. like, hey, I called you. Why didn't you answer? <laughs> you know?
1: But see, that's where the two four seven existence is is so yeah. on all the time that yes. it's really hard to focus on that. And and your sta- your potency in your statement is this: is that it, it, it's hard to even say in in the moment of the death experience where we're all focused now. Mm-hmm. Every life is shut off for a little while because we're we're we're, we're going through the uh, the uh, experience of it going. You know, everything that's happening and. Work has maybe changed our schedule has changed maybe we're not interacting with the everything like you were just saying it's that creature of habit mentality and then you start to witness and experience these other kinds of things it's so hard in the 21st century not to be thinking about multitasking all the yes. time and to go no what no I got. Six hours of devoted time to yes. just experiencing. And yes. it's even hard to do that to shut your mind off because you're thinking, well, after that six hours, maybe I should go and do this. Right. And I have this to do tomorrow and da da da. And you already are mm-hmm. already recharging yes. your thinking process with, with the not, yes. as opposed to the now, right? Yes. So And um, that and the, and the now
0: kind that, of moves past us and you never catch it, you never stop, you never do what you just described when you saw the bees.
1: Right. Right. And, and then they have, and then like you said, and they're far, few between it now. As and I remember, sometimes these experiences being even seemingly accelerated when I was younger because there weren't all the the, the you know things of responsibility and all the other things that are like continually having to play. I got to do this. I got to do this. This bill has to get paid. This has to get done. Da, 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 da. So You remember when you were a kid also, and
0: somebody told you this will take a year and you'd be like, a year?
1: A year? What are you God, talking about? that'll
0: no, be forever. You know, that and might as well be like, the next century, a year. Yeah, sure. it's that's like, nothing. what do you mean it's September? What do you <laughs> yeah, talking exactly. about, right? Yeah. And you it was know? like, yeah, because when you were a kid, you were living more in the now. You were living the in kids, the now. Yeah.
1: And children, I think, are extremely susceptible because they are more in the now. And they allow yeah. the... The doorway of imagination and the possibility of what if to occur, so they're more susceptible to paying attention to: could it happen? Will it happen? Yeah. They aren't as yet c- conditioned by so many yes. of the dogmatic practices that we all deal with on a daily yes. basis yes. that makes us go: no, no, it can't be that. It can't be that. Yeah, yeah, it it's, it, it's it's but crazy. it is,
0: it, is. it and, is, and and a lot, and I, I want to be perfectly honest with you: the only ones that appreciate it are people that have lived an X amount of years. You know, as in pre, you know, pre-beepers, pre-cellular phones, pre-technology computers. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm pro-technology, but at the same time, I've, I, I've seen the downside of it as well.
1: We're on the same page.
0: You know, and not everybody, unless you've lived X amount of years, can get it, you know, so... And and another thing that I tell everybody, you know, I I was I've been doing paranormal investigations since the 1990s, and I said this is around the time that you had to pay to develop film, remember? And people like, yeah, you you had to. You mean you no? Yeah, you had to develop film and pay for it, even if all you got was a black (laughs) photograph. You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, none of these other drop them off at the
1: grocery store. Yeah, or
0: the grocery or whatever. Yeah, this was photomat. Photomat yes yes a lot of those believe it or not a a lot of those people that process films saw a lot of funky stuff when they process i
1: believe it i believe believe but you're right how much money was spent because you had to process and pay for that film now you have a phone you could have almost a terabyte of space where you could store information it's it's just like
0: it's going to be the perfect picture because before you even print it you can enhance it and crop it and whatever and you know You, know you don't that, have to
1: wait for the moment.
0: No, exactly. And that's, and that's I tell everybody, you know, as far as paranormal investigations, because nowadays you get all these millions of gadgets and stuff and crap. I know there's investigators that people drag around with them to investigations. And I say, you know what? Once upon a time, it was much simpler because, and again, I know part of it is in that attempt to capture proof. You know, we want to produce proof, whether it's yeah. an EVP or the photograph or the guide, the film. And everything, and then I think, okay, but you know, uh, when you have your own pers- personal experience, like what you described, Ed, which is like, you know what, if nobody ever believes me, I know what I experienced, let's say what happened when your your friend passed away, okay? Right. That there was a thing like, hey, if nobody, if I can never prove this to anybody, I know what I feel inside of myself is something right. that I'm not making up because I want it to be so. There's a, there's a synchronicity here that is... I want to say is being manipulated by my friend from the other side, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? We all have had in many ways something in some way that has occurred or know somebody that something has occurred. Yes. And, and to some, they still may discount it, but that's the food. That's kind of like the, that, the, the, the amusement park of wow of reality, um, yes. because it means that there's this interconnectedness to, to so many different things and yes. and you were talking before about talking to your chickens well I think that's amazing because like I talk to my plants and <laughs> I, I, my I think that how, whatever the symbiotic relation is on a subtle yes. energy level I feel it yes, yes I don't you do. from what imparting these stories Whether it makes somebody, and I hope not, go, well, I want Ed's stories. I don't want you to have my stories. My experiences are my experiences because they are mine. You have yours. And the same thing with, like, I don't care if you think I'm crazy because I talk to my tomatoes. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting something out of it, right? Yeah, exactly, and, exactly. And, and and really, in in, the, in like what you say, you've embraced technology. So like, here we are talking today yes, on these crazy absolutely. machines, right? Exactly. And you've got the amazing cat ears on there, glowing again. But yes. you also realize that it's yes. a tool. Yes. And like tools of yesteryear, carpenters didn't go to bed with their hammers. Yeah, but people today technology is so integrated into everything mm-hmm. that we do. It's yes. pretty hard to stay away from it um, And yeah. and and again, and again, I, I think it's healthy to cut the proverbial umbilical cord so that you can have those those kinds of Tactical experiences to to your living environment because they enrich it so greatly and again I want people to have their own experiences because they are living sentient human experiencers inside of the experience experiencing Mm -hmm. so why shut yourself off to all of those different things even as mundane as it may seem to somebody else it has great consequence to your living moment sure that's that and that that's what feeds into the positivity of of the everything
0: and you know what and and i'm going to ask you because you're a musician and you understand performance and i want to say that unfortunately also i want that's part of society some people which are not performers by the way always want to be performing in other words they're always trying to, they're trying to live their life like if they were a, their own star of a reality show and they have a camera and they, it's like oh that would be stupid or i you know in other words they're always like if they had a magical invisible camera on them all the time you know besides the <laughs> selfie stuff and it's like stop it because you know like you said i don't care if anybody thinks i'm weird or stupid because i talk to my tomato plants but there's some people out there that are like oh no that that just no that's you know like they're always on camera even if they're not it's like you know step out of it you know what are you right. doing
1: so uh, of course right, they're but, never uh,
0: gonna see what's going on around them because they're too caught up in having that mr DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up moment that's <laughs> like yeah they don't have
1: they don't or, go ahead and or having a and or having some sort of a, a, a like a. A clinicalized version of what they really have the potential to be.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: The the, 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 the facial apps and body morphing apps, which like are tweaking cheekbones and eyebrow lines and waistlines and butts and everything else. There are beautiful people all over the world that don't need a machine to tell them how to look. Right. and that mr. DeMille moment that you're talking about that you said it's like I mean who, who are you trying to impress yourself is this become a part of the triumph of the e- ego yes. or are we in are we in a, in a decline of, of something or are we embracing something in an unhealthy way right uh, I could hit a person over the head with a telephone and an old telephone, for that matter, would have to be and create some damage. But I could also call somebody and make them feel better. Yes. Um, So how how do we choose to use this? And there's this hurry up and do it. Look what's new. I can't believe you can do this. This is in, in the weirdest of ways, which has really changed the cosmetic and, and of, the, of the music industry in many ways, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the way not only we create it, but right. the way people actually interact with it. Yes. Um, yes. And and that and that again has you sit around and question. Well, where's where's that tactical relationship to somebody actually, you know, buying a record and putting it on at home and maybe having some people come over, right? And exactly. listen to it together and talk about the lyrics and where did this song come from? And yeah. it becomes a communal experience, yes. you know. And and now we've gone from like you, hey, we used to have to develop film. 300 bucks for a two-inch Ampex roll for, on a big 24-inch machine, just for 15 minutes. Wow. Now I have an unlimited amount of space to be able to record forever if yes. I wanted to. Yes. And that's um, like the all, upside all of, of it. That is, right. But how do we choose to, to, to utilize it is, is the most important thing. Exactly.
0: Well, it's right. a, almost like a quip pro quo. What, do you, what have you given up in exchange for that? Okay, authenticity, spontaneity, or the downtime to experience the now, which is okay. Uh, now I'm, I I might be doing something goofy, or might not look my best, or my makeup is off, and you know my hair is like this, or you know whatever. And it's like okay, that's fine because I'm experiencing the now. What you know, and I and, and and I think that a lot of people that escapes them.
1: But but it, here's the thing. Okay. Um... I could put it into this context I guess if I am in a process of writing Mm -hmm. like you you understand this and you're going through stuff and you're jamming with ideas in your head you're playing with word ideas and how do you really want to express this and all this different kind of stuff and then all of a sudden you go wait a second but uh, and then you're like okay yeah and then but no instead of finally I want to use You know, all of this, and you connect, 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 click, click, click. The chills go up. Yes, this is what I was searching for, and I didn't even know it. Or could I go on, grab an app... Look through different phrases and catch lines. And look <laughs> yeah, at know. the machine, flip it for me, give me at the source of the idea. Yes, instead of instead of lieu of personal discovery, yes. it outweighs it for me in that way. And then it no. removes that sense of magic yes. that we're talking about and have been talking about the whole show. Yes. Um, so I think it's it's it can be really detrimental and at the same wow. time really positive because look, man. You and I are wrapping here right now with these sealing yes. machines. So but see, but there's, cool. it,
0: And when you get into, but see, it serves a purpose. But then, you know, when, when I'm done talking to you, guess what? I'm going to go outside and I'm going to put my chicks away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to go water. Right. It's water. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's like, and, and, but what I'm saying is it, it serves a purpose. And I think at the end of. That somehow or other, whenever, whatever the case might be, whether it's technology or whatever, anything that costs, cuts us off from a spirituality or what you call the connection to the divine, however it is, you find it. You know, everybody's got their own way to that. That always usually works against you in the long run. Okay. Whether it's because you're distracted and you, sometimes people do this on purpose they distract themselves with all these different things. OK, but then at the end of the day, it's like well, then I'll fall into bed and just pass out and then I'll wake up the next day and it's like, hurry, 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 you know, you know? Yeah, you might be distracting yourself, but you're also uh, losing out on a lot of now moments, you know, that that. Yeah, it's, it, and I hate to say it, but our, we we're we're multitasking our lives away sometimes.
1: You're right. And that's why these moments that have occurred for people have that repunctuating moment. Even today, talking about it with you, which has been so wonderful, discussing Likewise. those experiences for me, reamplify the the divine. I mean, you know, yeah. when you're using that word, and I, I, I don't use that word lightly because mm-hmm. to me it, it it's not about being higher or greater than something. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually participating in something that is so beautiful. It's hard to describe even. It, 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 and I'm humbled by the, by those experiences. I'm not I'm not I'm not there to grab at it in a way to take its energy. I, yeah. I stand I stand like a child, humbled in the moment of of of, of experience. Boy. And and for me, that doing that as because we know we cannot help but it, but go through these paces of the digital age, as as we're, we're pointing out, mm-hmm. it, it it recalibrates me. You're yeah. talking about going to deal with the chickens later. I'm talking about going to water. Yeah. But that's where I'm going to be like, my mind opens up differently. Yes. I'm thinking yes. differently. I may be filling buckets or working with something from the water barrels or whatever, but then I'm back at the planet. I'm doing whatever. My mind is going through all these other things yes. that are completely detached from that. Yes. So I, I, see that, I see that as, again, one of those humbling moments. I'm yes. lucky. Yes. that I can I can I can have those feelings and moments yes
0: and I know that sometimes don't get me wrong I understand that sometimes people have demands on their time which are inescapable in other words it's not a choice they have to and I get it right. I get it but I think also a lot of us are moved along to hey you know what let's say you got the nine to five and then you you go to and you binge on your favorite show you know for the next three hours you know like and that's fine but if that's all you do and then by the time you know it you go to sleep and then you wake up the next day and it's a rerun of you know like it's like okay i didn't i do that yesterday the day before and the day before and then all the now moments escape you as far as uh just going outside and watching the sunset i know that sounds really corny but no
1: but it's not though it's it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's it, it, again it, it's living in the moment if, it, it, i tell you what if if the person working the nine to five comes home to binge watch their favorite cartoon, right. and it gets them so excited that they turn around mm-hmm. and start storyboarding something and develop their yes. art, our own cartoon and create the next Rick and Morty. Then that's, that's different. Cool. That's different. That's different than just living the status quo of the the Ferris wheel over and over yes. again because it's it's safe. And again what are you experiencing? It's not corny to experience a sunset yes. because you want to experience it. Right. There's nothing exactly. corny about that. You don't right. go like, "Hey man, that's that's corny Do you want to go get a hot dog or yeah, it's corny Do you want to eat water." Right. Man, that's corny that you're enjoying it.
0: Right. And 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 that's the thing and and it doesn't ha- and, and I'm going to say you know a lot of people think, you know, to have that aha moment I have to travel to distant lands or have to see go to the Grand Canyon and then I'll have my oh nature and it's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry I I I don't believe that you can have those aha moments or that, like you say, that moment, just where you're at, wherever it might be.
1: You'd be surprised. What's the old, uh, uh, once in a while you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. Yes, Uh,
0: yes. But a lot of times people say, I have to go and travel to distant lands and then I'll have the the epiphany, you know, whatever. And now you can have an epiphany in your living room. Believe it or well, not. you
1: know what? The, the, those living experiences can be cool in those regards and culturally like, you know, enriching in some ways. But ultimately, what has it done for your your your, your personal tactical connection to things? If, if, if you like, for instance, say, go to Nepal and spend time in the Himalayas and you're working with Sherpas and gurus and <laughs> yeah. different people that are like taking you around to understand the intimacy and all of a sudden you become... Philosophically charged with a new type of existence, but then come back to the Western Hemisphere and fall back into the category. Right, it's like okay, well, that was a that was an. What the hell? What the hell's the (laughs) point? Right, like so exactly, Sometimes those things. What is hip? Right, like the Tower of Power used to say.
0: Yeah, it's like well, and 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 I'm going to get back real quick to something that you said about when you had that experience with whatever it is that you. With how long ago was that that you saw that out there by the fields?
1: Two two thousand and uh, fifteen.
0: 2005. god that's not too long ago no well, i'm going to tell my own and i've never told this story back in 1984 i went out to yellowstone okay to uh to the old faith hotel which by the way after that it's burnt down that area had burnt down and i remember we had gone in there in june right after basically the snow had melted enough so you could actually go into the park people don't realize that out there even in june there was still a lot of snow and a lot of the roads until then were barely they were impassable so we go in there, and we would rented a cabin. And I remember we had taken in my daughter, who was six months old. We had, like, one of those backpacks that, you know, you slung over your shoulders. And yeah, yeah. right before we go in there, we stopped at this little uh, roadside, like, a stand, kind of like a craft store where you could buy stuff. And we're talking to this really nice couple who lived there for years and years and years. And they're saying, well, yeah, you know, every year uh, we get... Um, we get tourists that get killed by bears because they say they clear out they try to clear out the bears out of where the people the tourists usually run around in uh and i know she goes normally by now they've cleared them out but eventually some of them drift back in i mean of course it's yellowstone national park you know how can you keep but anyway uh, we have this conversation like one of those coincidental foreshadowing kind of deals so we co- we check in we have a cabin and these cabins are basically in the middle of the forest. You know, we went to see Old Faithful, all these animals running around, the buffaloes, which nobody's scared of humans. Uh, and then we see off in the woods, this big, tall, uh, basically one of those places that you climb so you could look out. And oh, yeah, yeah. like a trail, and there's a very narrow trail leading into it. And I say, and to my husband, um, not my ex-husband, I said, hey, let's let's go out there let so we could see it. And he has my daughter on his back. And we're coming down this trail and all of a sudden, I'm looking and I see something that looks like red, like fur, like you know when an animal scratches itself, it starts waving like that, like in the, yeah. But when you're looking through pine trees and it's kind of got shadowy, you know, it's not like an open field. It's like it's you've got shadows and big tall pines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm like, man, what is that moving like that? That's a weird movement, like you know, back and forth, and it's it was like a yeah. reddish brown. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, and whatever it was was massive, it was massive, and it was sitting like in the middle of the trail that, as a matter of fact, led to that lookout tower. And so I mean, you would have
1: had to cross its path. Yeah,
0: it was like, and it was like, and at this point, even then, we, we I thought, uh, I thought originally it was a bear. I think it was a grizzly. I think it's grizzlies or whatever. It was like it was like a reddish brown, long fur, and And I remember we left and we went to the office and we said, hey, you know what? we were going to that lookout tower by the cabins and i think we saw bear and they're like no you know we are you sure about that because we made sure especially now that the we've got an influx of people coming in because the snows have finally melted we you know they we especially as close to the cabins and the you know all the areas where the tourists because normally what the lady was telling us is that the tourists that were getting attacked by bears usually were in the camping and they would leave food out you know, or something that right. smelled and then that, that, that would attract the bears and stuff like that. Which, as a matter of fact, is why I rented a little cabin. I was like, ah. Uh. But when I said, no, we're by the cabins. And, you know, that trail that leads to the lookout tower. And I remember them, like, are looking at me like, lady, what are you talking about? I go, yeah. I go, that was, I think it was a bear to this point, And they're like, no, 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 no. We're, we're pretty sure there's no bears out there. We would know. We made sure, especially now. And as close as to where the cabins are and where everybody's running, there's no bears out there. To this point, Robert, I mean, Robert, I'm sorry. Roman, I don't know, Ed. I don't know what I saw that was a scratching or I saw the waving of the fur because I didn't go any further. We had my daughter on with us, was six month old. And we said, you know what? And I, I really didn't wig up because I thought it was a bear. I thought it was a bear. <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just had this conversation with these people outside and they say people got killed all the time. And according to the authorities, there's no way it could have been a bear. Now, what it was, I don't know. I don't know.
1: But you were, you, were, you were afraid enough not to carry on to the tower? Oh, no,
0: no. Well, to me, first of all, I thought it was a bear. And I was thinking, man, this is really my cabin. is basically down a little bit over there. Uh, and I, and it was huge. It was like sitting in the middle of the trail, like far off and I could see it and it was huge. And I, like I said, what caught my attention was the fur moving back and forth, like a reddish brownish fur long. And I thought, and when they told me, I was like, Oh, what else is it going to be besides a bear? You know, you know, and they're like, no insistent. I mean, I didn't, I I didn't get closer. How's that? I wasn't like, I'm going to get closer
1: to to see what did they send anybody out to investigate I don't know if they did to... I don't
0: know if they did because I was we were like okay we're gonna stay away from that part of it like I don't care what you guys are saying I know what I saw what we saw because we both right. saw it you know and it's like right. I'm not gonna go there to find out you know maybe they did well, and,
1: and there have been reports in those areas of those kinds of
0: you know and it creatures, was creatures if you will right and that's the thing you know and then of course you know getting back to what we we're talking about, people that don't report it. Like I said, I, I reported it because I didn't think anything other than that. It was a normal thing, like a bear. Right. You know, otherwise, if I would have thought it was anything else, maybe most probably I would have been like, I'm not going to say anything about this. This is 1984 where, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get funny looks. Forget it. Let me just well, shut up. Well, <laughs> yeah,
1: but you, and you here you're thinking too, you're going, okay, well, I should say something because in case there's other people out here, the park should know about it. Right, well, yeah, I'm so thinking, your,
0: yeah, somebody
1: gets... Your experience was, was robust enough to go back and tell people at the, at the ranger station about what... So, again, um, if you had an experience yeah. that was like you couldn't understand it and, and then you go back to the park ranger and tell them, right. look, we just saw something on two feet that we don't understand, and right. it, would, it would have the same context to it you're 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 afraid you don't want somebody else to be hurt you need to tell somebody about it when i had my black bear experience up north the very next morning i paddled across the lake and told the people at the ranger station because i didn't want anybody to be in any kind of trouble of course um so uh, how many people like you said would have that experience see something that they're like what the and then not say anything because the park would think that they were like, Adamant well, well and, right? it,
0: and and like I said, it just so happened that because I had that conversation right before I we went to the park, I immediately assumed that what I was looking at was a bear because right. they made that mention. And then later I was thinking, you know what, it's really funny because what they said usually is when people were, because stu- they asked us, well, are you guys camping? You know, you got to be careful because you know every summer we get tourists that get killed because they leave food out and it brings the bears into their campsite, you know, and blah 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 blah. And I was like, no, we're staying in the cabins. And I was like, hmm. But um, I spoke to a gentleman. uh, His name is Jim Smith, and he runs the Alabama Bigfoot Society, and he's been running it since the 1970s. And he was telling me a story where he says that people out in, you know, where he's at they will have sightings of things if they're driving along, for example. And they are so wigged out that, that they think it's a cryptid or Bigfoot that they call it cops because I guess they have they don't know what else to do. The police are right, like, right. what can we do? So they take these people over to see Jim. And he says he's had more than a few instances, especially when it's happened at night, where the people will say, sir, you know, the cops are like, hey, Jim, we, uh, maybe you want to listen to their story? And he says people will tell him, Sir, you know, do you mind if we stay here until daylight? We don't wanna leave during the nighttime. Okay. And what he tells so afraid. Me, he tells me, he goes, Marlene, I really couldn't say what they saw or didn't, but they they're scared enough about what they think they saw or what they saw that they're not <laughs> wanting to leave until daybreaks. And that speaks yeah, to me. I- <laughs> it's like Man, I'm not going back out there. <laughs>
1: well, and that, and that's what I was getting at before. That fear factor is that you're trying to process. Yes. And you can't. Yes. And and immediately, it fight or flight kicks in. When I had my experience, I was trying to crawl away on my knees and then start almost going into a running position <laughs> yes. to, and looking over my shoulder trying to analyze what was going on. Yes. But it took me half a year to be able to go back to my own forest.
0: Let me ask you, did you ever hear any strange noises besides the coyotes, any other weird noises or anything? Or Because after a while, Nothing. you're kind of familiar, I imagine, with what noises come out of there, as far as animals right. are
1: concerned. Mm-mm. It was only the coyotes, and that's what drew my attention. I was just going to the garden to pull a few weeds, check on some stuff, see what was going on, and I heard the commotion.
0: Let me ask you, and during and... all those years your family had the farm, anything happened to any of your animals?
1: No, I guess... you know what? Unexplained incidents with the cattle never, um, but I mean, they would be a good litmus test for something being, you know, right. out of whack. They would either be disturbed or something with, that would be going on. Mm-hmm. And the incident with the UFO in the barn and the house and the old farmhouse, the, my mom said that they, did you know, brought nothing up of the cattle and there being an right. issue with the cows in the barn. It was more or less them watching it, uh, hovering for five minutes, trying to describe what it was that they saw, hover over the barn, and like my mom would use the analogy of like bouncing, like a bouncing ball following the landscape. Oh. So like it was following the, the, the g- geography of the land somehow, um, and but no, I, I was. That's the funny thing is that the animals were never really apart. Right. Of anything that was strange, it always seemed to be something very human-related, uh, and, 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 and incidences that occurred like in those same moments. That's why your statement was so beautiful: was that where everything slows down as a result of either something that's traumatic, mm-hmm. or something that you know you're forced into this moment of like everything has calmed down for a little while, right. um, and and you're 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 privy to those moments. So that's a great question, but. I don't remember much of anything ever weird happening with animals on the farm or them being upset. Like what you said
0: about George Knapp, you know, when he did that, that research at the Skinwalker Ranch, you know, over there, you know, if you go, you know, based on the story, he was saying those, those last, uh, the last owners, well, I know there's different owners, but the last family that was there, I think it was, was the Shermans or something from the moment they got there, they were having experiences. Uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, from what I understand, the last or present owners uh, don't allow, like, nobody, you know, not even people, let's say, wanted to make a documentary because so much of what was going on has, like, slowed down or totally stopped. You know, in really? other words, they're hoping to bring back a lot of the phenomena, which, uh, you know, uh-huh. when you hear the stories, they had everything going on there from uh, sightings of cryptids, animal mutilations, UFO. I mean, everything was going on. And apparently, a lot of the phenomena had not... Stop totally, but calm down a lot. And they were hoping that by not allowing anybody else, not even somebody wanting to, like a documentary, nobody's allowed on there because of that.
1: Um, wow. So th- do they feel that all of that activity has chased that stuff away?
0: It almost sounds like it. And uh, as my, I, I remember uh, I did look up, I did a, did, a, did do a little bit of research back in the 1950s where they had UFO sightings. There was paper, uh, paper, you know, like a little newspaper article. And it was a gentleman who was a high school teacher. He was a native of that little area in Utah where they're based out of, who basically saw some type of UFO phenomena. And later on, he documented more of it. But in other words, it, you know how sometimes they kind of, ex, you know, because somebody in modern times wants to make something out of a little thing and they make all these stories about, no, back since the 1950s documented, there were sightings of something out there as far as like a UFO type of phenomena. And then Ooh. this family that moved into it, which I think they were there like two years and then they stayed a little bit longer, but even though they had sold it because they convinced them, because they were trying to document all these experiences that they had had from, I believe that family from, they, they had cattle. They had, they had bought the, that piece of land to do cattle ranching.
1: Right, and, right.
0: um, from the very first moment that they were there they found they had an encounter with what looked like a really large huge wolf that was very friendly towards them until it tried to take one of the calves they had with it and the the husband or the father he tried shooting it and it wouldn't die <laughs> it was like Whoa. when you when you start reading this thing you're like what
1: <laughs> and well, that here's was the other thing too with with the with the, with the activity changing too and this is why i'm also interested in the the physical and or mathematical aspects to the possibilities of doorways being open is that teloric currents or what are also known as ley lines or Mm -hmm. geomagnetic currents that run through the earth are fluctuating and and fluctuating can move change course almost like a waveform they can become stable for periods of time um and is it something in that case that has has changed as far as frequency so yes. it doesn't offer the same potential? I believe it was back in the 1970s at Berkeley College and they performed some experiments with a magnetized room. The room itself mm-hmm. was basically a huge conductor and they carried up litmus test studies just general topic, conversational classes that would occur. And every class over the course of a month, they keep increasing the amount of magnetism that's in the room until people became agitated at first, uh, then started arguing with one another, and then it started to turn into seeing small flashes of light and anomalies out of the corner of their eye. And then at, at a highly increased moment in time, people actually started seeing
0: yes
1: physical things that they couldn't you your dragon-like shapes and all sorts of interesting like occurrences so uh i'm a big proponent of of believing that sometimes locations themselves are like a receptor or or a a, i can't remember what it's called again it's one of the types of jars they originally developed for like capacitors for holding energy and and again people themselves you're talking about the families changing hands they could be themselves the catalyst for a lot of that electrical activity sure, just because absolutely. of who they are as people so well, that's all
0: they historically from what i understand you know the the youths were the native americans that that populated that area and supposedly it was historic even the story goes which is that that area where all this phenomena was happening they themselves uh kind of stayed away Stayed away from it because it was known to be traversed by what the, the Navajos called Navajo skinwalkers or witches, okay, right. which were known to be cannibals. I mean, boy, uh, and then you ask yourself because everybody thinks it's because of the skinwalkers, but was there something already there which is why the skinwalkers would go there specifically? You know, they're not the cause. They would just go to that area because of what was there, whether it was a ley line or something, some something going on in the land that, of course, you couldn't perceive with your
1: well. And we know how even geomagnetically that's one thing, but why geomagnetically? Well, certain minerals and things that occur and combinations of certain minerals, veins of quartz, gold, platinum, selenium. There's so many different things that have the potential to create course of energy or, or 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 capaciting of energy and holding energy in certain ways. If you had a, a huge butte that had yes. a, an alarming chunk of quartz that was continually being heated by the sun day after day, yes. it has the potential to be highly electric in that sense i mean early quartz radios you can see them in books you can google yes. them online they're tiny little radios with a hunk of quartz. yes you just put it in the sun charges it up turn the little radio on you get your signal come in and yes. I, I think that's also the possibility too and in your statement wow the navajo people and the people in that area obviously recognize that right. that zone as maybe we should Stay out of here. It's not good land. Right. Another word. Your... Right. Another,
0: it's like we're not. We don't want to figure out why it is a bad area. Yeah. just Don't go there. Don't go there. It just there. is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it just exactly. Is. It is. And um and I, that's the last I've heard of it. I, th- I thought it was very interesting because of the amount of phenomena that's been reported there, um, like really almost like. And I want to. I don't want to use such a dramatic. But a lot of it is almost, I want to say dangerous or malevolent. It's not like, oh, I see lights in the sky. You know, this was... uh, They also had a lot of cattle mutilations. I mean, things like uh, that, like... And uh, they were hearing things from under the ground, like in the house, like from the underground. Uh, Just, it was a whole range of things. I was like, wow, this place, like there's something definitely going on. Uh, And like you said, maybe maybe they ran the battery out for a while and that's yeah. why they had to like move everybody off. Like, okay. Or, uh, I, I mean, there, it could be a million reasons or it's just like, okay, let's just keep a low profile. All these humans are getting. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: But it could be, a, it could be a place of deceit. I mean, uh, yes. the, the possibilities inside of dimensional, um, uh, par- paranormal in terms of what yes. mediums are seeing. Yeah. They're like, there's this thing here at this location, and it has tentacles, it has a beak like a parrot, and it's stuck to the ceiling, and all it wants to do is suck energy from the people here. Yeah. So what is that? What is that? That is more, you know, malevolent than anything that you can think of. What's its nice. agenda to destroy? Why? That's its only purpose. Exactly. So and a lot of people have no- a
0: hard time, you know, the, uh, conceiving that. of something like that, which... When you describe that to me, it's very Cthulhu like H.P. Lovecraft, you know, as far as the technical thing. Yeah, you're kind of going
1: down that road, right? And and we then ourselves have that potential to create just that very thing that destroys us. Yes.
0: And and we talked about it earlier, where we talked about uh, rips, uh, interdimensional rips. Remember when we talked about that movie, The Mist, which is, that's like that, think about it, that's almost like an experiment into that area that just of course gets away from the military and then what crosses it over is stuff that we're not these it's almost like the same thing you know when, when you see jurassic park the moral of that story was humans could not have coexisted with jurassic park dinosaurs <laughs> in their real time because we would have been the end of us you see That's what right. i'm saying That's um right. because forget it we're we're out, out gunned big time and you know maybe the same thing happens every once in a while if there ever if there is such a thing as a rip in in dimensions, maybe sometimes what crosses back and forth is something that of course doesn't exist in our dimension and thankfully it doesn't. But every once in a while when something sneaks through, or it's let in, well, whatever. Let's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know we uh, we get the short end of the stick, or we're like, huh?
1: Well, the portals and doorways and stuff that are in, at locations. Um, That are either there because of a traumatic experience, or they were, like you said, deliberately conjured. Yes, yes, they are. In order, order to do that. Yes. The those uh, then people that are confronting those things are greatly affected by it. Some of which discounted as nothing more than just you know coincidence. Again, as I mentioned, but the uh, the horrible, terrible things that you can't help but not talk up to go. Well, this thing is trying to kill you. Yes, uh, and, and and everything that's been going on to you is a direct result of that. And there should be no other reason why you you know that you're feeling this way, like you're a healthy person, but you're having a heart yes. attack. You're you're fighting with your family all of a sudden, yes. and you got along before you moved in here, and da 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 da. All of that means that there's something obviously influencing. Yes, and sometimes, and sometimes people, it's a process,
0: and sometimes it's a process. It's like what you just described. It starts as this, and then this other thing, and then this other thing. It's everything is unraveling. And of course, nobody leads a perfect life. Everybody has bad things happen, some worse than others. But then it's like it gets better and then you know, life. But then there's right. like you said, the, some, some people is like, man, they can't catch a break. And it's like, OK, what is it that's out to make you wish
1: that you had never been born? Basically, is where it's going to take you to. Well, and, you know, I see there's the thing. And then good investigative work shows it. Yeah, look at Steve DeJavi. Mm-hmm. The ex-homicide investigator that works with Amy Allen in the media. Yes. So he's running a, a parallel mm-hmm. investigation to her investigation. Right. And he finds out that 200 years ago, this was Indian land and they di- didn't want to go there. They right. St- they stayed away from it. In the 1800s, eighteen ninety. somebody came and built a farm there. Yes. Then all this bad stuff started happening. Son shot himself in the head. Father shot himself yes. in the head. Grandfather shot himself in the head. Right. Then the nineteen nineties kick in. Somebody else moves in there. They live there for a period of time. They shoot themselves in the head.
0: What are the odds of that? 2000
1: and... Right. Now, Steve does all of this stuff and goes, well, wait a minute. There is this connection to the land from many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. It was ignored and stayed away from by Aboriginal people, people that yeah. moved here didn't know it, right. set up their lives, started experiencing this stuff. Meanwhile, the medium, Amy, she's pulling all this stuff up going yes. this, this, that, and the other thing. It can, you cannot help but not go, okay, there's some kind of connection to the yes. land. It's been a porthole. It's these people are now being affected by it. And I think this is one of the wonderful things I, I love so much about the Aboriginal communities. Yes. Is that they're still so connected to what that feels like.
0: Well, and, and I want to say that a lot of times it's not so much that we need to know why, it's enough to, like you said, stay away from that place. Well, all we know is stay away from it. You, nobody needs to go find out why or who or what is making it a bad place just stay with it just is it, just, it just, is. just is exactly that's enough for us and you know let's not talk about that anymore or that thing uh you know that the the that stephen king novel the pet cemetery
1: where right 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 right, right. It, the, the
0: history on the that piece of land was that the the natives that had lived there even before anybody knew enough that this was a some woods that you didn't go there you like this was like a demon haunted place. And, but of course, you know, it's, it's, you know, like, you know, that movie, nobody listens to the kid, <laughs> you know, right. this is like, the, nobody goes and looks up, you know, especially when you have, uh, a non-technological civilization or people living on the land, people sometimes discount it as superstition. Right. Oh, they're just being superstitious and there's nothing to it. It's like, why, why? Just because they couldn't offer some type of proof as to stay away from this area. And don't live there. Right. <laughs> don't don't right.
1: set up and, your and, farm. And there, may, and, and, and there may be so many variables in what it represents yeah. today that it's hard to see really what the greater impact of it is. Of course. Oh, of this course. was native land. We built a thousand homes. Well, two people died right after the subdivision was built. Oh, well, that's just coincidence. Uh, well, maybe that's just coincidence, but that small percentage of people inside of a thousand homeowners is still high enough to in my books to question something in some way uh, somebody that's just let's say dies out of the blue and they're like 50 something they just have a heart attack why did that happen is there something that's connected to the land um and and and, and objects it's not just land the psychometry yes. of certain things also too I'm can glad. be yeah, I'm glad you bring that of... up
0: because I tell people you know how nowadays people flea markets and the garage sales or curbside pickups people leave stuff on the curb I go you got to be really careful with some of this stuff when you bring it home. Okay. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. I'm not saying be paranoid, but you got to be a little bit careful sometimes.
1: Well, but and you can almost be, it's like, you know, when you walk into a place, you know, a house or a, circun, a circumstance or situation, and you just go, you know what, I don't feel right right now. I'm just going to walk out of here just because yeah. I just, there's a, and you're not entirely, entirely sure. But later right. you find out. I don't. There was a shooting at the incident, or something. Yes. Exactly. Or, or uh, there was a big fight that broke out, or something like that that occurred. But you have this precognition of maybe even seeing it occur. Yes. And the same thing with an object. You're like, oh, I really like this cup, but it was owned by some maniacal dog beater. You know, like you don't. Right.
0: Yes. And I tell everybody, uh, uh, you know, when people move into new houses and you know, everything's got a fresh coat of paint and cleaned. And you think wow this is this is great and i was like you got to be careful also what's you know gone on in those you know i tell everybody you know you need to smudge it down bless it whatever you whatever your religious beliefs are because you never know exactly what you said sometimes things like that either events it becomes imprinted in the fabric of the place that's right and you walk into it you move in all innocent like and like you said that all of a sudden you're like having a fight with everybody around you and before you were happy, and after you moved to this place, you're like, eh, very unhappy person. And you're like, well, right. what happened? What, what what And then at some point, hopefully, you, you, you realize the point of origin is after you moved in there.
1: Well, yeah. and you know what? I'm so, and it's not even superstition, but I have that feeling. Okay, so when I bought the farm, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, the previous owner had a really wonderful detailed record from our local museum of who built the house, when it was built, who lived here, what was going on, all of that kind of stuff. And I point blank when I was buying the house was like, so who died here? I want to know, like, is there any spirits here? Is there any spiritual activity? And he told me outright, we haven't experienced anything, but I will say that Mrs. Firth was living in your living room and she was, destitute and she died in that room and I'm like okay so have you had any connections with her since she's been here and it's oh, every once in a while we smell lilac okay. and lilac was her, f- her favorite like kind of perfume body powder that she would use okay. I've smelt it a couple times my wife smelt it a couple of times but I've never built be- been threatened or in right. felt intimidated by any kind of negative presence. And this house was built in 1866. Okay. So for a location to be impregnated with a lot of potential energy, it has right. that potential. Right. But I've, I've never felt threatened. Well, I've never felt...
0: Like I said, once upon a time, people would be born and die in their houses. Not that long ago, right. relatively speaking. You know? Yeah. It was normal. It wasn't morbid, I guess is my point. It wasn't morbid. You yeah. would have your babies at home. And you would die you know and you would even have sometimes even have the wake in your downstairs whatever so when people say oh people died it's like no 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 that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be haunted that was the norm okay how long
1: ago did you say
0: what as far as what when people would have the wakes in their houses what less than a hundred
1: years ago we had my father's wake in our house in 1992 there you go god there that that that, that's part of Slovak tradition, to sit ot which is what it's called. Okay.
0: All and right. you
1: have to sit. It's like Shiva for the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And be with the body for 72 hours while it makes its transition from right. this life into the next. Right. But... That, that customary tradition that you say, you know, some people might think, well, that's really crazy. or da, da, da. Right. After we after that happened, I never felt my dad's presence right. in the house. But what I'm saying like is, anything. people, you tell
0: somebody, oh, somebody died in the house or, God, there was a wake. And they're like, whoa, that's like, is it haunted? And it's like, no, that doesn't mean yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Not right, at all. Right. You know, on the contrary, right. this was the norm. Uh, you know, and of course, little by little, you know, people started the hospital and all that other stuff. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. You know, as a matter of fact, you could have somebody that passed away in a hospital and they they might come back and haunt the place because that's, you know, another thing. And one thing doesn't necessarily correlate with the other. No. Uh, Or
1: they may be attracted to somebody at the hospital. You don't know why they're attracted to that person at the hospital. Oh, that's that's why they end up at the hospital.
0: They could be, you know, there's there's people that pass away. They're medicated, heavily medicated. They miss the uh, the uh, you just died memo. You know, right, exactly. they, yeah. they drive traumatically unconscious. They, you know, like they had an accident. They're unconscious. They pass away. And they, again, they miss the uh, I died moment. The last thing they,
1: I've heard, I've heard mediums say that a ton of times where yes. like this person is here and they still don't know that mm-hmm. they have died.
0: Yeah. They, and it's like
1: 100, 150 years later.
0: Right. They're still self-aware. And then, you know, you get the other ones that uh, they kind of understand they're dead, but they, they might have had religious beliefs about hell. And right. they think they're like, I'm not really happy here, but if I go over there, I'm going to get judged and, you know, I'm going to hop place. So I'll just stick out yeah. you know, right around here, you know, and, and be obnoxious. And, you know, you know, and, me- just- and meanwhile, they're
1: interreacting with a, you know, yes. class five leatherback vapor demon or something, you know, that yes. happens to be living on another dimension in that same location. Exactly.
0: exactly. That's something that people they talk about. If, if anybody and I don't know if you you've uh, heard about some of the interviews with uh, the um edward uh, martin malachi 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 i'm sorry that he, oh malachi yeah, Mal- yeah, yeah he he talked about the middle plateau okay and he says that 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 in between stage where you get you know human spirits that are lost that are confused whatever that haven't transitioned but you also got a lot of other stuff there which right. is non-human um uh, dangerous in some cases or what you said that are looking for to either torment or kill a human being Um, and I've even heard of remote viewers that if you have an experience with remote viewing over x amount of time that this is one of the areas you go into when you're remote viewing that you have to be careful that that's one of the risks when you do the remote viewing I've really even careful. heard that
1: with deep, with deep, medium meditation, where people yes. can go so far into it that their heart will stop and they just yes. go to the other side through the process. Or they, or out. they,
0: or they come into contact. In other words, it's almost like uh, when you go into uh, into this area, there's no division of hey, these this is safe to be there and this is not safe. Or you know, it's you're you're basically wandering in an area where you could across something that's non-human, dangerous, uh, things of that nature. Uh, in well, that it even,
1: even even some uh, mediums would say alien.
0: Or alien, yes. That we could. That's a whole. You know that 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 we. we, we I got you. Got to come back. We got to talk about this some more. Ed, about the the the. the You know, and I I know there's people out there that are saying, okay, that some of these aliens are really interdimensional, demonic beings versus, you know, when you think of extraterrestrials, you're thinking extraterrestrial from planet from the Pleiades, whatever, or, you know, and and they travel, whether it's linear or some type of like, uh, you know, you know, when you see in the movies, the uh, light speed, and you're there, but what if that's not the wormhole, you know, that you Bring A point A and B together through that wormhole. But what if it's not that? What if the theory is that they're really intra, inter or intradimensional beings that, f- for maybe because of a misunderstanding, we consider them extraterrestrials and from another, but they're really from another dimension?
1: Exactly. No, and that's the thing. I think that <clears throat> theoretical physics is telling us there's 11 to 13 possible dimensional wavelengths that we exist inside of of which three we can really only experience that means that there's there's far more rooms yes in the in the proverbial house than we know if i'm living in one room and you're living in another room yes we both know we're in a room but we don't know we're in a building
0: Mm
1: -hmm. let's just say if I'm making a whole bunch of noise in my room and yes. you can hear it, but you're unsure of what's really going on, mm-hmm. you're making assumptions as to what's going on in that room based on something that you can't yes. see, hear, touch, feel, any of those kinds of things. Yes. So then what do you do? You bang on the wall and I hear something and I'm like, what is that? Is that Marlene on the other side? Do I yes. even know Marlene? What, yes. Who is that? Where did that bang come from? It's, it's all of that same sort of idea. So, if we can say, yes, there's validity to this dimensional concept, to, to physics and, yes. and, and, and hyperdimensionality, why then are these interactions so hard to discount? And why couldn't that be the case? If it is a sentient, or, or sorry, excuse me, a type of alien being that we don't understand, extraterrestrial in nature, living dimensionally in a different plane, that's. That's one aspect of it. If it's something that is using that dimension to transfer from one place to another, that could also be a possibility. Your statement before, which was so wonderful, which was if we keep an open head about it, that's the most important thing. We will always come to a point in the road where we go, no, we understand what that is already. This is a this is valid or it's unvalid, but we have to keep going down the road.
0: No, there's so many possibilities that could be, right. you know, that you could say, yeah, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty as anyone. I hear some ideas and I'm like, that's possible. <laughs> and then I hear others. I'm like, wow, man, that's what? Okay. Okay. I'll keep right, it over right, mind, right. but okay. I, I have a hard time with that one. But still, I always leave, you know, that little, like the door jar a little bit, like, okay, you know, maybe something might come of this. You know, I think we all have our different levels or degrees of what we think is plausible or possible or probable, but right. you know, like we were talking about, it's the person, the hardcore skeptic, which doesn't allow any possibility. I and mean, I think most of it is fueled by fear of then what do I do with my existence if all of a sudden there's a crack in the armor of the order of my world? Okay, which allows but for ghost, extraterrestrials,
1: no, cryptids. Oh God! No, but the fear is, I think, to me, the indicator. I love so many people that I work with, and some I mean, we get into crazy debates, but. Yeah. Wild stuff and yeah. and things that are like hard to even like you could never discuss this around a dinner table. This is crazy kind of talk. Yes, but but then I bring up I bring up a paranormal experience, with something that has been so profound, like my friend passing, mm-hmm. and immediately I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I, I don't want to listen to that. I don't. And I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. It scares the hell out of some people because, it, like you said, it ruptures and fractures everything yes. that they know about their their normal existence. But I yes. see it as something beautiful, and like you said, at the same time, potentially dangerous.
0: Yes. Yes. I, it's it's almost like a Pandora's box.
1: Yeah. Like, uh... But anyway. And I... maybe. And maybe why your statement has so much gravity too is because. You're saying maybe it's something we're not meant to yet understand. We don't have the the mental and spiritual complexity. You know
0: what? The other day I was listening and I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar at all with Bob Lazar, you know, that he works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The other day I was hearing an interview that Joe Rogan did with him and he made an analogy and I was like, man, this is really interesting. And basically he was talking about what he had witnessed, you know, and everything back in the 80s when he was working out there in these labs or you know where they're trying to basically back engineer the discovery mm-hmm. of these ships or whatever they are right and he's talking about like oh if we took something let's say a nuclear i guess an engine or something and we dropped it back in victorian times and you know the scientists or the top minds would look at it they couldn't understand it and they're probably at some point are going to try to do what they're trying to do now and he was describing i think it was one of the parts where they were trying to cut into something, into the core of something. And he would kind of became alarmed. He's saying, because he was like, we don't know, you know, w- what are we doing when you cut into something or you're trying to back engineer it? You have to be careful what you let, what happens? Are you going to blow up? You know, same thing says, if you drop something that was nuclear back in the Victorian times and they're tinkering around with it, trying to figure it out, <laughs> what if they start cutting into it? You know, and the next thing you know, you know whatever because they don't really understand truly what is the how this is being fueled what what nuclear fu- fusion or fission or whatever it is you know what all these electrons whatever causes the the nuclear reaction to go on and the next thing you know they blow up the lab or you know the area and he was kind of amazing i thought man that's a great way of looking at it because he became alarmed about he described some of the things that they were trying their efforts in trying to figure out how this thing basically what how the energy was being or propelled itself and that's what I'm saying maybe not that it's not meant to you know you want to be philosophical about it but are we ready do we really understand something as to what do we do with it you know
1: right right can we handle what comes he was he he was we I don't know if we can I mean There are people, according to the documentary that I saw, that um, it's Mickey Rourke, is is the and and, or um, voiceover for it, and George Knapp is in it. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, from what I understand of some other people's research about the phenomenon, that there's people that have lost their faculties. Yes, there's people that have ended up with. Chronic and critical and dilapidated disease have Mm -hmm. died as a result of the process and even working in a public uh, Well-known group like Lockheed Martin skunk Works, some of the development Development material that they originally put together for different types of military aircraft project people died They're still in the in the courts trying to you know families fighting for what what had happened Um, and then you know his story is, is quite interesting and you're right like what would have happened how do we if, even if a caveman saw a, right. a, 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 um, a rainbow yes. what what is the interpretation this is the thing about the, 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 the technology that people have been supposedly back engineering and I think why they use the word magic as mm-hmm. a part of what that technology represents and, and, and is because it's still greatly misunderstood and and they're still trying to come to understand what it actually is. I, I think Bob's story is very uh, interesting for a number of reasons. One, right. he hasn't really gained much of anything, yeah. in fact. He's he's really it's hindered his existence as a Yeah, person. that's
0: what it sounded like, yeah. Yeah, they do. It's very punishing, he, it sounds
1: he, like he, he he mentioned things in those documentaries in the eighties that he did with George Knapp that mm-hmm. nobody knew anything about. Yes. That didn't even exist and only in the last number of years have they actually released any information about exactly. those those things so that his story is whether or not he's a disseminator of of Certain things which is that which is the possibility or he actually really experienced it It's enough to look at because if he is a disseminator and that information is out there Why is he disseminating it? And who really is in control of the information to allow oh, yeah. them to well, become man, a man, Talk about it.
0: Let's go down that rabbit hole. Is it? Oh, Right, it,
1: right. We could go. he's like, whoa. Well, whoa. you know, and he
0: made a good point. He says, you know what? It was very frustrating, but they kept all these groups of scientists like working like in pairs, but you would never have access to the entire project. In other words, you only had that little piece of work that you were working on. And he says, and I, so, I I, understood we could have made more progress if everybody was in on the same, at the same time working on it. But he said purposely they would keep everybody isolated one from the other so that nobody could have the whole picture.
1: Right. It's known as systemic methodology. Uh, the Manhattan Project worked on the same thing. There was over, you know, th- a thousand people or more that were working on what that bomb represented. and and its eventual detonation, but really only 10 people that had had a greater understanding of its purpose. A friend of ours many years ago, he worked for a small subsidiary company here in Canada. They started manufacturing a part. They didn't know what it was for. It wasn't until years later that he realized it was part of the Avro Aero jet project that we Mm -hmm. had here in Canada, but they shopped out, didn't tell companies. Yes. Right. Uh, what they were manufacturing for the sole purpose of the same thing to keep right. it quiet and clandestine. So, are you and all, you, they, and all they, that
0: company knew is we're just producing this one piece of whatever that was. That was it.
1: Right. That's it. Bad issue. Yeah. They did the same thing many years ago. They claimed when they were taken to the press about how they were helping out with munitions of um, tracking devices and or telemetry devices for certain kinds of uh, nuclear warheads. Bata had claimed that they didn't know what they were doing. They had a private contract through subsidiary. They needed a certain type of a disc made of a certain kind of alloy. They agreed to it. They put the machinery into the company. They started making them, and that was it. Ultimately, all they cared about was they got the manufacturing job, and they were going to make money. Of
0: course, of course, which is what the business is in business for, really. (laughs) Right. I mean, they're not there like, okay, well, by the way, what are you going to use this for? You know, it's like,
1: okay, let's let's talk ourselves out of this business deal. Right, right, right. But yeah. again, they didn't almost know, and that was plausible denial for them mm-hmm. to say, "Well, we were just doing our job uh, yes. we had yes. We had no idea it was part of a tracking device for a warhead i we had you know we didn't know that
0: right and it's, it, and I think a lot of companies or businesses fall into that knowing knowingly or unknowingly, you know, and what little yeah. they know is like, I'm not gonna ask any more about this as long as like you know the check
1: clears, you know what they say that's that's all I need to know." and, and um, when you got and when you got the potential of a manufacturing deal hanging in front of your company oh, in the sure, millions if not millions, billions of yes. dollars why would you say anything exactly right that's what they're thinking
0: and a lot, yeah it, 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 it there's a lot there's you know there's a great deal of uh, you know distrust I like like what you said is is this is this is, is this person disseminating information now in other words this is all planned or is it just that for lack of a better word his time has come as in what he claimed years ago now a lot of it is actually being proven to be accurate right you know like what could it be i I just think a lot of people now are starting to question things like you know don't get me wrong not everybody think is not everything is a deception but i think that nowadays most people are like hmm you know like what we said earlier What is this person? Is there something for them to gain out of it?
1: Well, and that's where the mistrust is there. I mean, I I see it with many things. I would just spend a month in New York City um, and playing, working, and releasing a video. And I so often had conversations that somehow repunctuated the distrust of an organization, a company, a municipality, the government official... Uh, yeah. whatever it might be. And I think that's, you're right. It's sad. Your statement yes. is true, but sad because where is it's the transparency of certain things yes. that allow people to understand more about it. So they feel safe. Otherwise they feel threatened. They feel threatened by it.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of times people wanted to be assumed that a hey, everything This was going to be okay. You know, in other words, you know, the powers that be or the they're they're going they're looking out for us, and a lot of people are realizing or suspecting. Sometimes it's paranoia. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it is paranoia, and other times it is accurate. It depends. Depends how you want to look at it.
1: Well, and, and I think if if you are going through the process of rehashing the same thing over again, like hey, this happened four years ago, yes, and it's happening again. That starts to show itself, like the kid that shows up at class, you know, every week, and they couldn't take the test for some other reason. Well, you're not prepared. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's starting to to show off as this. So yeah. I, that mistrust comes from that, as well as people's misinterpretations of certain things that are askew, obviously but other things you cannot help but go wait a minute this has been happening over and over again and it's been getting yeah. worse and worse so why do we keep you know
0: well you know what that's the that's the, that's another thing about uh, what is it the effects of new technology where everything's being recorded sometimes it's great and sometimes it's it's a it bites you in the ass
1: that's right it will always help it will always help and then hinder some way
0: yes well, anyway and right. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Go ahead. I got to bring you back. because We got to, we
1: got to continue this yeah, conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I love talking to you. And I got to say, great. I love your hair, your blue hair. Oh, thank wicked. you. Thank yeah, you. it's so much
0: fun. Yes. Yeah. I had a great time, darling. I, I had a wonderful you time. Too. You got to come back. And you too. We got to continue this conversation and, and, uh, you know, walk on the wild side when it comes to the paranormal sure. and all this weird stuff, which I think is very interesting. You know, I, you know, uh like you know what i say you know when you know when the edges are kind of foggy and it goes off into you guys who, who knows where well let, let's talk about what the possibilities are
1: for sure i would love to come back you're a beautiful person and i just i've had a lo- lovely conversation talking about it and it's just been free like two people yes. hanging out yes having a lola and watching the sunset You know, I mean? <laughs> yes we are we are <laughs> well, yeah. take care you too love you take bye. care Bye-bye, so, bye bye
0: Wasn't he great? He's such a cool guy. You know what? See, even musicians have a, a paranormal side to their life. As a matter of fact, I have found in my experience that most creative people, whether it's music, art, stories, writing, But, you know, that are more into, they they tap more into their creative nature. Not so much. I'm not going to say that the analyst, because there's a part of me that's pretty analytical. But um, I don't know if it just unplugs something in your brain. Or just the fact that for the creative process, you have to like let go of your preconceived ideas. Or that stuff that we have sometimes as children doesn't totally leave you. You know how children, their imagination is so wild and free, and you'll tell them anything, like Santa Claus, and they believe it, or the Easter Bunny, and they believe it, or the Tooth Fairy, and they believe it. They really believe it. Um, And I can attest to that because I had three children of my own, and I kept them going on with the Santa Claus things for years. And they believed it, by the way. They really believed it until, of course, eventually they kind of realized it's, you know, it's the the, the the parents who are doing it, but they really believed it. And I think that people that tap into the creativity, that part of them in their brain doesn't totally shut down. Yes, you grow up and you become more practical or, you know, for example, you understand that Santa Claus isn't real, but that part of you that feeds your creativity, or is a source of your creativity, also allows you to see things that maybe a more analytical person would not see. You know how they say certain people can see more because for some reason they see a more range of colors in their their field of vision? It would be something along the same lines where when you tap in more into your creativity, you see the possibilities. And I think once you see the possibilities, once you come across those situations or those events not like like something like what happened with that not because he was looking to have a sighting of a cryptid he was just walking out in his field and you see it and it just happens it's you know like almost that you 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 it's and, and i've talked about this before um almost like a magnetizing effect that things or events are witnessed by the people that have the open mindedness or the vision, even in this case, literal vision in your eyes to see it and sometimes to hear it, you know, depending. Uh, because I've heard sometimes of really super analytical people being witnessed and next to a person and they'll shut down. They just do not see it. They literally force their senses to shut down and not see or experience it because they're just not wired that way okay so unless it's something that runs up and slaps them in the face they just they're they just they're, they're and and in and if they ever feel it's always will be on the periphery and they explain it away as imagination something else whatever whatever I've, I've run across it so many times a direct a direct link between creativity, the creative process, and people that are able to see certain things that happened. You know and and I'm not talking here psychically, okay? I'm not talking psychically. It's, I'm talking about actually being at certain places at certain times. To see or experience certain things, but sometimes things that don't have to to experience something. It doesn't necessarily have to be visual or auditory. You could experience something in your body, in your skin, in your senses that you feel it. It's you know it's like kinetic. You, and sometimes you actually see it. It depends, but you're there to have that experience. You know, uh, you know. I've heard of people. Let's say that will be. I'm going to use an example close to what he described. Will where they're in the woods or someplace sometimes they're alone with one other person and they feel overwhelmingly like they're being watched or a very deep sense of menace like in other words everything is fine they're feeling great they're maybe walking and enjoying nature and then all of a sudden they come to a part of the woods or something intrudes you know that you realize something's changed maybe it's the absence of animal noises or something and everything changes. They feel like they're being watched. They're some cases they're you know, people describe even feeling like they're being hunted. And it's not because they're seeing or hearing anything per se, but they feel it. And um I think that and, and then there and and then there's other people that well they just you know and sometimes, believe it or not, it, 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 it doesn't necessarily have to be, let's say, the story of you've got Bigfoot, you know, looking at you from behind a tree. You know, you could be being stalked by a bear or, or a panther or a cougar or something. And, you know, maybe this is the person that gets out of there in one piece and the overanalytical person who poo-poo's it as my imagination is like, oh, God, you know, this is stupid. You know, they get devoured. know I'm, i'm making a point by being extreme but they don't pay attention to what they're feeling because they don't see it they don't see the bear or the or the predator or the threat they just feel like their senses are going off going hey you know something is looking at you or hunting you or looking at you as prey and since that doesn't compute like oh oh that's just a feeling and i've heard of this happening even for people that have been victims of crime okay where they basically they ignore feelings of fear because nobody let's face it nobody wants to feel fear it's a very disagreeable feeling and when I say fear I'm not talking about the fear of like when you go to the movies and you see a scary film and oh you know everybody jumps and and whatever and you know your popcorn goes everywhere no I'm talking about real true fear that you feel that you're in peril your safety is in question or your life isn't in... nobody likes to feel feel that fear and i've heard of people ignoring those feelings of fear because they dismiss it and then they've get gotten victimized in some cases even killed mostly they, they survive and they they tell they retell how before this event or they were attacked or somebody tried to get it sometimes they get away how they had these feelings of being watched Or something told them, you know, in their head, you need to get out of here. And they dismissed it. They dismissed it. Or, man, somebody's following you. You're being followed. No, you know, that's just me thinking. And they were being followed. They were being targeted. Uh, And my point being that I'm not looking at it just strictly from a paranormal, uh, you know, like I said, uh, you've got uh, Bigfoot, you know, or, the, or it's dog man behind the tree wanting to, you know, eat you. No, it, it there's predators out there that are very real, okay? And they're not animals. Well, they're humans, okay? And um, and a lot of them do exactly what predators do in the so-called animal kingdom, because yeah, even though we're animals, but I'm going to, you know, differentiate between us and the animals, where they stalk the prey. Okay. The same way an animal, the wild will stalk its prey. And, uh, whether it's a pack or one solitary and they think, okay, how am I going to isolate that one? Or how am I, you know, what am I'm looking for all these telltale signs, same thing. You know, they're looking for somebody that's either sick, elderly, distracted, alone, uh, in a place that's isolated where nobody will, will hear screams or, uh, depending where, you know, you hear about some predator, human predators, where they fixate on a certain person and they follow them around for a few days just to see what their, you know, wh- what do they do, where do they go, who do they live with? Do they live by themselves? Uh, you know, uh, wh- what's their routine like? Or how can I get in there? You know, are they like, uh, are they very just like... Uh, they don't care about locking their doors or they leave a window open yeah and a lot of times you know they've interviewed some people that have survived encounters with either animals or humans that have attacked them and a lot of them will say you know what before this i had i I felt certain things or i heard certain things or but i just dismissed it i just thought it was my imagination it's almost like the you know like you know when you see the the, the 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 slasher film where they hear people hear noises and they dismiss it or nobody pays attention to the kid you know or one of those things well it's something like that and you know um it's it's almost like again you know if you want to look at it, it, it that creativity it it allows and by this as a matter of fact me and ed were talking about it before we started to record where you know <clears throat> because we discuss these things there is a very we set a very high bar as far as skepticism is concerned as far as just because we talk about these things there's nothing that says that we're gonna say man that's a load of crap okay because there's a lot of people out there that are either lying their grasp on reality is not that good you know mental illness you know a lot of other stuff or just whatever they're bsing that doesn't mean we you buy into every theory every story every experience and take it as gospel and run around with it like yeah but you know in other words there's it's a different type of degree but that that you have a certain standard as far as even for your own personal experiences that you say you know what this can be explained away by this and this and this, and this is what's logical. And this is probably, you know, before going down the route of thinking, okay, you know what, this is paranormal in origin, or this is not natural, this was not caused by something natural. I mean, in other words, that's the last thing that has to pass a litmus test before you get to that. And we were talking about that The contrary to what a lot of people think about people that uh, believe in the paranormal or anything, you know, in that field, under that umbrella, that will, you know, everything. Oh, yeah, you know, I believe everything. And it's like, no, I don't. And even even, even the things that you hear sometimes that are like, man, that. That's, that's that sounds really implausible. You always kind of leave the door open and don't slam it in the face of the people that you're like, man, you, there's something that's not quite, because you're thinking, what if this person, this is this is I just because maybe it doesn't fit my reality of what I think is probable or possible. And what if it is? Maybe the one that's wrong is me that I might not believe it or think it's kind of like, eh. But you. And we were also discussing you know how they have the hardcore skeptics that shut everybody down that they don't care you know forget the proof is like forget it and then of course you know we get into my favorite that to me that equates to you know you're basically your hardcore skepticism is fueled a lot of times by fear of well if any of these things prove to be accurate does that open the door to all my preconceived ideas that I have my tight little world fixed in then that's it that crack and that's it you know it can never be put back that Pandora's box so everything in my reality my existence shifts and that would be so overwhelming if any of these things prove they don't even have to be totally accurate or true just a little bit then it's like that's it you know you know when something cracks that that's it once that crack starts eventually it goes all the way until it finally opens apart a lot of people don't want to let that crack into their belief system into their existence and their worldview and the way the structure of how they operate and these are the ones that no 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 and you know everybody's delusional or liar or mistaken or taking drugs uh whatever anything except this is and you know what and i've said it before if you're one of those person that's cool man that's 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 what makes you happy and that's why it's good to be different because there's people that this is just the way they need to operate and that's fine and you know what, if that's what makes you happy and how you stay, that's, that's great. As long as you don't shut us other little weirdos down. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I hope you liked this episode. I really loved speaking to Ed. Um, and I forgot to ask him to mention, um, his website address for the pod, you know, the, the link will be in the credits of the show, but for those of you who are listening to the podcast, it's ed Roman.net, edroman.net, E-D-R-O-M-A-N.net. If you want to reach out, you can also find him on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, You know, he's he's a gentleman farmer. I love that. A gentleman farmer, a musician, and a believer in the paranormal. All right, guys, take care. You're all wonderful.